Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels. This is a sports podcast. Delighted to have you with me as we break down all the action in the world of football, gearing up for conference championship week in college, and another exciting week of pro action in the NFL. First up, I talked to Matt Wittenberg. My buddy breaks down all the action in college football. Michigan getting the better of Ohio State again. Alabama on 4th and 31, defeating Auburn to stay alive. What do we look forward to in the rematch in Oregon and Washington? The Pac-12, the final Pac-12 game ever. You got Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Iowa, Florida State trying to stay alive, Texas as well. We break down all the college football action with Matt Wittenberg. And then Chris Miller returns to the show to break down all the action in the NFL. That included the Chiefs getting right, getting back against his Raiders. My Browns getting the injury bug against Denver. A lot of exciting developments, including the Eagles beating the Bills in an overtime thriller. And we look ahead to another week of exciting football action in the NFL with a lot of playoff stakes and people racing and jockeying for position. It's Matt Wittenberg followed by Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect back again to talk but now we have the regular season in college football and conference championship weekend. It's my buddy, Matt Wittenberg. Matt, welcome back to the show. Uh, we were drowning in some sorrows collectively this past weekend, but still a lot of good football to talk about. Yeah, yeah, rough one for uh, for the two of us, that's for sure. Obviously, you uh, had a little higher stakes in your game than Ben and mine and my, uh, my ASU lost to U of A in the Territorial Cup. But uh, yeah, rivalry week, always fun. Um, a lot of, a lot of cool games, especially this past weekend to talk about and a lot to look forward to, but just, uh, sad that we're basically at the end now. It always goes so fast. It really is uh, a fast season. It it just seems to swoon right by and uh, a lot to break down in the world of college football. Want to look back before we look forward because there's still so many good playoff races and conference championship weekends this, this weekend really from Friday and Saturday on, and then the the playoff, you know, gets selected on Sunday. So it's going to be a jam-packed 72 hours there. But we we start, unfortunately, with uh, the Big Ten title game for me, and Michigan deserved the win. They get the job done again for the third year in a row. They beat Ohio State in a game that I really thought, you know, 30-24, to Michigan I thought clearly was the better team. I think it came down to the quarterback position. McCord had those two plays. Really, the one in the first was what got me. The second was more that desperation drive, so it is more understandable. But it was that mixed with the throws that J.J. McCarthy did make because I thought Ohio State's defense did a great job against the run, against Corum, but McCarthy made the plays when he had to. It was a close game, but one that, unfortunately, as I said, the better team did win. So hats off to the Wolverines there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Never... Never want to lose that one, that's for sure. And it's a rough go for uh, for your Buckeyes these last few years with losing uh, three in a row, I think, for the first time since the 90s or something like that. It's been, been quite the stretch, but I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head. J.J. McCarthy played really well, was very efficient, and uh, Kyle McCord was, unfortunately wasn't. Um, he, he Kyle McCord had to have a really good game in order for Ohio State to pull this off just because of how well Michigan's defense has been playing and how efficient on the other side of the ball that their offense has been, even with all of the, the distraction and the Harbaugh stuff and Cheryl Moore. Got to ha- give hats off to him for the way that he's coached the team the last three weeks, going 3-0, and beating Penn State and Ohio State in two of those games. But, yeah, I mean – 
the, the margins are so tight in these games just because of how talented both the rosters are. And you know that it's always going to come down to one or two plays. And I think that interception in the first half is really the one that you can can look to as being the turning point. And unfortunately, didn't get Marvin Harrison the ball enough. I think he was covered uh, pretty well throughout the game, as he should be. But just hats off to the Michigan defense for that. Yeah, and I don't want to go into sour grapes here. I don't think this was, you know, the quote-unquote toughness, lack of disparity as in the past. And I know what Michigan players, they won. They get to talk their trash afterwards. That's how it works. I understand it. But I do think this was a marginally, you know, very competitive game. Ohio State had a couple drives, but they just didn't get enough out of McCord, out of their O-line at times. And, uh, you know, defensively played pretty well, but couldn't get the stops when they needed to, especially on that last drive. So, really, that was the issue there. And, Look, I know what we know how this works with college football, especially in the rivalry game. There's there's people furious at Ryan Day and that a lot of it is warranted and deserved, but they're not going to do anything. Like not now, it's not going to happen and you know the grass is not always greener. We can look at the Texas A&M situation as just recent memory. But the big thing that I was thinking about was the 12 team playoff. I think it's going to actually delay a lot of these teams and and schools, maybe boosters in particular moving on because, you know, and and this is why I'm going to get in my soapbox, but Maybe four is too little. I think 12 is way too much because Ohio State-Michigan next year, I mean, it's hard to move on from a guy like Ryan Day when he's going to consistently make the playoffs, which is what would have happened given that this would have been 12 teams. So I think that because we're expanding the playoff, some of these big job, big name guys might be a little safer. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And specifically in Ryan Day's case, he's lost, what, like five games, I think, since he's been Ohio State's coach. And mm-hmm. he doesn't lose to bad teams. And obviously, he beats Penn State every year, too. So just the one. Uh, but it's the one that Ohio State fans obviously hold in the highest regard is beating Michigan. That's how you're judged. But that by no stretch of the imagination should his job be on the hot seat at all. And then, like, going forward, like, this game happens next this coming week if this happened a year from now with them meeting again in the Big Ten Championship since there's no divisions anymore moving forward so I do think that dilutes it a lot I don't know what the solution is maybe just getting rid of conference championship games altogether might be the most reasonable thing although I don't know if that's going to happen because I'm sure there's so much money involved in that but just Mm -hmm. I mean it really waters it down and you don't want to see this game played two weeks in a row or like for a third time in the playoff if they happen to meet in like the semis or the yeah. national championship well, or yeah. it's just weird. That, that's a big thing too. And I know we kind of got sidetracked, but maybe, you know, conference title games out, you know, best two teams is a step up. Cause we're going to see, you know, with, with it again, with Iowa, Michigan and that point spread, but maybe you do what, yeah. the, what the big 12 started to do and you just don't play it at the end of the year anymore, you know, cause it's probably going to be those teams again. So it's back to back, but yeah, the 10, 11, 12 right now, you know, it's, what is it, Ole Miss, uh, Penn State's up there, you know, teams that I don't know that we would necessarily say, necessarily say our playoff teams are, right. you know, comfortably in or, or very much in given where they are. So something to kind of consider, but Michigan moves on in the Big Ten. Ohio State has like a 1% chance if all the dominoes fall right, but they're effectively out of the playoff. And this was a game with a lot of stakes on it, as was with the SEC title game, because I got to tell you, when I saw that fourth and 31 play, I thought immediately like, wow, this is, first of all, they're going to make t-shirts out of it, which I was right. But when Isaiah Bob yeah. caught that yep. in the corner, I'm like, Auburn might never, might never recover from this. And I know it's a bold thing to say, given that it's year one of Hugh Freeze and they weren't really expecting to win this game, but they had him. I mean, fourth and 31 is like a near certainty victory. They rush to, they don't get any pressure and it's Milro to bond on a textbook catch in the corner of the end zone 
for a stunning win and one of the most dramatic endings I've seen in a long time. That is insane. It obviously happened. They made a big deal about it happening on the 10 year anniversary of, of the kick six being there at, in Jordan Hare at Auburn too. So that's just wild. That stadium, I feel like every iron bowl that not necessarily the ones that are played in Tuscaloosa, but the ones that are at least at Auburn end up in being wild games for whatever reason. It's a, a tough place to play. We mm. saw uh, Georgia on the ropes at the beginning of the year with a, uh, Auburn and until Brock Bowers took over for like 200 whatever yards he ended up happening but man this is insane and I had flashbacks to the uh the Tua throw against Georgia in the national championship on that one too just like how how like how do you draw up those plays like that that happened from the same uh program within the like last what five years like that's like two once-in-a-lifetime type throws happening. So, obviously, the national championship won a little a little higher stakes, but still, this one was high stakes, too. It keeps their playoff hopes alive, and uh, obviously, Nick Saban doesn't ever want to lose to Auburn. So, yeah, a lot a lot on the line with that. It was it was remarkable. It kept Bama alive, as you said. Uh, Auburn, I know, isn't you know this isn't the year for them to make moves, but you get a chance to beat your rival and win a game against any team that good. You got to take it, and uh, they just came up short, and uh, it was remarkable. It was crazy. Uh, again, Bama moving on, still alive. Where they'll play Georgia. Georgia had the the classic letdown, right? Just a quick word on them. Where they're, you know, they're already in. They're undefeated. They're playing Georgia Tech. It was a sleepwalk yep. game, but never really in doubt. Yeah, there's like what probably like eighty percent of the stadium being Georgia fans, even though the game that technically a Georgia Tech home game, so. Yeah, and Georgia Tech's had a surprisingly good year. They've knocked off what North Carolina. Um, they knocked off. Well, I guess Miami was the big game where the, oh, yeah. that game should have ended. <laughs> you know, that yeah, was with the weird fumble yeah. at the Cristobal uh, clock management. So yeah, they've had some good wins this year, and obviously yeah. such a huge talent gap between the two sides. But good for them to stay in it that long, and never, never really a doubt that Georgia was going to get that win. And this is a really, really big one because it's another round of Smart versus Saban, and Kirby Smart's gotten the upper hand over yeah. the last couple of years, and Alabama will, in all likelihood, I, I don't see them being left out of the playoff if they beat Georgia and their 30-game win streak in the SEC championship game, so stakes are high, and then Georgia could conceivably be left out of the playoff if they mm-hmm. lose this game, depending on how everything else works out from the other conferences. It's that that's an insane part, but it is ultimately true. Uh, I think we got to add crystal ball versus math, you know, versus the clock to rivalry week just for next week because that was, you know, that was crazy. I also think I want to say one of the most impressive performances of rivalry week was Kentucky beating Louisville. That was a Mark Stoops special, and they really won that game down the stretch, too. You know, Louisville was in the ACC title game, but still had a lot to play for, was on the outside picture of the playoff, was coming in with Florida State, who's like a wounded duck in a lot of ways, but. Kentucky going in and winning the, uh, was it the battle for the Commonwealth, I think is what it's called? Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, man. I thought that was as impressive as anything I saw on Saturday. Yeah, on the road, too, in, in Louisville, so props to them. And then <laughs> what a weekend for uh, Mark Stoops, apparently getting the A&M job or not getting the A&M job and fans getting mad on Twitter, so... Yeah, just that's why college football is so great. Like, where what other sport are you going to see this in, but yeah, props to Kentucky. They played a hell of a fourth quarter, especially getting uh, jumping out ahead in that one in a hostile environment and with nothing really to play for other than the rivalry. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, and then the Louisville loss does take a little bit of the air out of the ACC championship, but I could definitely still see them beating uh, FSU, especially with how uh, the Seminoles looked against Florida, which I'm sure we might probably talk about too. Yeah, I, and we can we can discuss that now because they showed a lot of fight winning that game, and we won't we'll get to the uh, the the preview of the ACC title game and and what we think might happen with the playoff. They are definitely not at, at all cylinders. How can you be with Jordan Travis being out? But you know, winning that game the way they did, battling, a lot of it was Florida just self-inflicted wound time and time yeah. again. But you have to give Florida State that for, for fighting the whole way and knowing that whatever happened in that game with, they still control their own destiny. So you just got to, it doesn't have to be pretty. You just got to survive with the win and get out of there. And they did it. Yeah, they sure did. And what a weird season for Florida. They get, uh, they have the big early win against uh, Tennessee at home, and that's basically the highlight of their season. And then last week, they had Mizzou beat on a what was it, like fourth and seventeen or something yeah. like that, and they let them run untouched to get the first down and end up losing on the last second field goal. So, yeah, not a good look for uh, Billy Napier at all going oh. five and seven, especially having a chance to beat and knock off an undefeated rival in your building. Um, yeah, so a lot of questions in the swamp uh, moving forward. But, yeah, Tate Rodemaker was not great at all. I mean, Florida's got an okay defense, but he just, like, he was basically a glorified game manager. No touchdown passes at all. So they're going to really need to lean on that run game. And it's crazy with because of the weapons mm-hmm. that they have on the outside. Yeah. But you just uh, – Johnny Wilson um, <laughs> being, like, the target out there. and But yeah. you just – feel like it might have to be simplified especially in this like with such a tr- short turnaround from being named the the guy with the sudden uh jordan yeah. travis you know the defense still stepping up it's good to see and yeah it's a weird situation because they don't need style points they just need wins you yeah. know they're in that they're in that driver's seat so it's just you know getting there um i thought the big 12 before we we finished with the pac 12 here i thought the big 12 was pretty straightforward you know, Texas gets the job done on Friday just with dismantling Tech, which was good. And then Oklahoma State battles their way back to keep Oklahoma out as a nice parting gift to Oklahoma in the Big 12. But those teams hold serve. They're going to play for the first time. But for the Longhorns, they've got that that look like that team possessed. They know they need some help, but there there was no slippage, which you always got to wonder with Texas. But they are a very focused team come December. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I was fully expecting them to lose to either the road game to Iowa State last week or that one the road game at TCU and they kind of struggled in both of those but ended up in finding a way getting it done and now uh, Quinn Ewers is back in the fold uh, cool to see uh, Arch Manning get get some snaps for the first time in a, in a long uniform so yeah they obviously they have everything to play for ahead of them and um, I mean, they might be sitting pretty with how shaky FSU looked last week. With it's very easy to see them losing to yeah. Louisville next, week, which would obviously make make things look pretty well for for Texas yeah. making it that playoff. But I don't think this Oklahoma State game's a gimme. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Looked very, they've looked very shaky at times and have some weird performances this year. But they still have Ollie Gordon, who's probably the best running back in the country this year. They got. Mike Gundy is one of the best coaches mm-hmm. in the country. So, I mean, I'm not not mm-hmm. discounting Guy Rob's uh, poke yeah, just yet. Yeah. I'd, although I'd be kind of surprised if they won. So, 
Yeah, and and we're gonna get to that game, but I do think Oklahoma State's up and down is a wild card of of epic proportions. Oregon also is like a focus team, and we saw that with we're already seeing the resume comparisons because the politicking starting where Oregon compared how they beat Tech versus what Texas did. So um, right, we're starting. And Oregon to played that but in like September. I mean, that's the thing, right? But or, but Oregon dismantling Oregon State much more impressive than what Washington's done. And the betting line reflects that. I know rivalry games are weird. I know Washington had to get into the trick plays to to guarantee stuff and got really aggressive. But it's all about surviving. And I think it's look, it's hard to really compare scores when you're playing a rival. I mean, we see that time and time again. It's a lot of the times for you know Oregon State's the last time they're probably going to play Oregon for a while. Even Washington State, they're going to play again. But you save all your tricks. You go kitchen sink. And I wasn't surprised that the Cougars kept it a game and it took you know some late game heroics for the Huskies to win. Yeah, they've been on Washington, that is, has been on shaky ground this last, I don't know, it feels like a month basically ever since the ASU game where we had a chance that right at the end to beat them and they struggled with uh, Stanford. And I mean, they end up in beating USC by 10, but give up a ton of your- yards and points in the process. So, oh, yeah, and, and escaping last week in the rain in a pretty hard fought game against Oregon State on the road last week. So, yeah, they're. I mean, they're definitely tested, and it really doesn't matter as long right. as you keep winning. Just like the fact that they're going up against a team that's seemingly clicking on all cylinders, and who I'd argue is probably the best team in the country right now, other than outside of Georgia. So it's just, it's going to be a really, really interesting one for sure. It really is. Uh, before we get to the weekend, did you want to offer any thoughts on uh, on your rivalry game, or should we just keep it moving? Briefly, uh, yeah, rough, rough. Not as bad as it could have been, though. But <laughs> you are 100% right with that. And I think it's important to kind of know, look, you're at ground, you're at year one for the for the true reset. Arizona yep. has been one of the biggest surprises all season. Fish might be and probably should be coach of the year. And yep. you know what was on their mind. It was 70 points a couple of years ago. So yeah, I think like, this was personal. <laughs> that's like the one silver lining is that it wasn't that bad. It wasn't quite seventy to seven. So, they were going uh, for it though. They were celebrating some turnovers yeah. late in the game, up like forty-five points. So, yeah, it know. wasn't pretty by any stretch. One one good highlight, a nice like long throw and catch, one-handed catch by one of our receivers to get one of those late meaningless touchdowns. So that was good to see. But yeah, I I gotta give it, it pains me to say I gotta give Jed Fish and that program a lot of credit. I mean. They've looked really good, like especially like the la- latter part of the year. Their quarterback Noah Fafita has been great. Uh, McMillan, their wide receiver, is insane. Like that dude's probably going to mm-hmm. be like a, a cost like favorite next year. He, he's that good. And yeah. I think the two of them played at at Servite High School together out in uh, Orange County, so they got that connection. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it sucks. I mean, it's year one of Kenny Dillingham's rebuild. A lot, of, way too many injuries, but. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, like you got to start somewhere, and there, there's some positives for sure from this season, but this game was, was not one of them, so I'll be happy to move on from it. <laughs> no, it, it definitely wasn't. Um, but, yeah, Arizona, you know, all their games they lost were pretty close. USD probably should have won 9-3, and three, yeah. just a remarkable turnaround there. Uh, Matt Wittenberg here on the Money Mitch Effect. Before we get to the big conference title games, uh, anything – you know, and the playoff picture, of course, but anything on the on the outskirts, the other title games that's got your attention, you know, maybe some action, some Mountain West, anything else out there you're looking at? Weird, because of, did you see how they had to decide that by, like, a yeah. computer yeah. Uh-huh. formula? Yeah. 
what year is it? I know. Like, Boise, wait, Boise UNLV is an interesting one, though. I mean, I, I was shocked that it came to be those two teams. Yeah, how about UNLV, though? Former uh, Mizzou longtime coach Barry Odom. What, mm. what a job he's there. That's like a consistently like terrible uh, FBS program. I mean, they're like always like maybe one or two wins, but hey, that's what a what a turnaround. Win nine games, being the probably going to win their conference championship. To be honest, so that's awesome. And then uh, I like the American game with uh, Tulane looking for a shot. If they beat SMU, they're probably getting their second straight uh, yeah. new six bowl game so good for the green wave best logo in in uh college football in my opinion yeah that line is dipped a little it's like four and a half five right now so i think Tulane coming out you know they won their new year six game last year so that could be one um yeah boise unlv is a great one sucks for san jose state you know missing out but maxion's a little toledo miami of ohio action with toledo having one of their best years in a long time over a touchdown favorite but you know not traditional powers in the maxion either so Good to see some newcomers here. Yeah, absolutely. And Toledo with their I didn't know this fun fact that they have their uh their rocket on the outside of their stadium pointing to the midfield of their uh rival stadium. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And only in football. Only, yeah. Some some interesting things there, uh for sure. All right. So the playoff scenario, and I wanted to get to that before we break the games down. But there's some things that could happen where it would be straightforward. There's some things that would be very messy. And I think the messiest thing that could happen would be Alabama wins. Would you agree with that? 100%. Yep. Because that's where it's going to be tough and rocky. And I think the easiest thing that could happen, and we could start with this game, would be Florida State losing. Because if Florida State wins, I don't know a scenario where you keep them out. I just can't see it. No, I don't buy the argument about the, obviously it sucks that Jordan Travis got hurt, but you can't discount everything that they've done, especially because it would have been two wins with, Kate Rodemaker if they do go undefeated, including the win at Florida and the conference championship game against still a good Louisville team. So I, there's 0% chance in my mind that they get left out undefeated. They're two and a half point favorites, which is interesting because of what we saw, but that's Louisville coming off a loss to Kentucky. Um, in that scenario, I think Georgia could be left out if they lose to Bama, if Florida State wins. But if Florida State loses and Georgia loses and the game's competitive, which we think it will be, then I think you could get that scenario again where two SEC teams are in the playoff. Yeah, I feel like that's probably what ends up in happening, particularly, like you said, if it's a close game, which I'm sure it will be. I mean, if Alabama wins, if, I could see Georgia blowing Alabama out, but yeah. I don't see it the other way around. I think Louisville is actually going to win that game, though. I just think this is going to be too much for Florida State to overcome. I think last week was a rivalry game. It's a little different. It's not even a conference game, so... I expect Louisville to clean up, clean up the picture as well. Don't need to really spend much time on Michigan, right? I mean, I think Iowa's over-under team total is single digits. It's like seven and a half, seven points. Yeah, they'll be lucky to get a touchdown game, to be honest. I feel like the only way they do is if they get a, a pick six or a punt return or something crazy like that. I don't, I don't see them getting like an offensive touchdown, unless it's like a very short field. Yeah, I, th- this this game is going to be, I mean, it's the late night game. It's the last one. It's probably going to have the least amount of drama. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Florida State and Louisville because that's going to be very interesting. I think Georgia-Bama, which you talked about, 
I do like Georgia, and I think Georgia, and this isn't even a slight on Bama. Saban's done a masterful coaching job. He's gotten the most out of this team. They went undefeated in conference play, but Georgia has really rounded into form. I'm not really taking a lot of stock in the last week. I think Beck has really stepped up. I think they're going to be adamant about this game. I actually like the under in this one. It's like 55. I feel like this is going to be where Georgia's defense gets home. Yeah, I, I agree with you Like on that. I think I could see this being like 24 to 20, something like that. With uh, I do agree that Georgia ends up in winning it. Uh, Brock Bowers has had a couple of games back now. He's back to his old self after the injury. So, just, I mean, it's hard to pick against a team that's won the last two national championships and won, what, 30 games in a row at this <laughs> point. So, I don't, although, if any team could do it, it would be a, a Nick Saban coached Alabama team. And they're going to have a lot of confidence after that Iron yeah. Bowl win, as it should, but I, I think it'll be a fun one. I do like Texas to win. I, 14 and a half is a lot of points. I think Oklahoma State, you know, they can't have a first half like it goes without saying, right? They can't have a first half like they did. They can't have the letdown against Texas, especially with what Texas is playing for. I think Gundy, and, and I actually think the first half will be close, but I think Texas pulls away, maybe not covers the spread, but I think they win. And, and look, I mean, all signs are pointing towards Oregon and the Pac-12 whip because of how they looked. They're over a touchdown favorite, and I do think they're going to win this game. Washington's hopes wouldn't be dead if this was a close game. They need some help, but the Ducks have clearly looked like the better team, and they're not playing in Washington, which I think is a big difference. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I love this Oregon team. They've they've looked so good lately, especially yet watching what they did to Oregon State in this last edition of the uh, the Pac-12 Civil War, if you will. But I mean, yeah, they have a lot to play for. There's still a last one last chance for Bo Nix to make his Heisman case, and I'm sure they're going to give him every opportunity to to make those plays. He's been so sharp and accurate, and especially their defense has been what's really impressive. Because when you think Oregon, you think generally a flashy offensive team but yeah. with Dan Lane coming over from from Georgia as their DC and instilling that culture up at it up in Eugene I mean it, they've been yeah. so good and like, like I alluded to earlier I feel like they're probably at this point they're probably the second best team in the country right now with the way they're playing and I think they're definitely going to win this game although I don't think they're going to win by 10 points okay. I feel like Washington will, will cover it's a rivalry game there's going to be a lot of emotions that I, I'm sure Washington will play better than they have in this mm-hmm. last light month. They're going to be up for it for sure, but I just think that Oregon ends up in pulling it out. They've been clicking on all cylinders, and then yeah. they're going to be probably positioned in that number three spot in the playoff, I would think, behind uh, Georgia and Michigan. Yeah, I actually, and I don't know that either team covers, but I would lean Texas would cover that bigger number versus Oregon, but we'll have to see. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So, so what's your playoff? How do you think this shakes out? Uh, I think we get mostly chalk with Oregon. Like, I guess it's not really an upset since they're favored, yeah. but they're behind in the rankings and they're undefeated. But I think we get uh, Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Oregon number three, and then I do think that FSU ends up in pulling it out okay. against Louisville. So we differ. So, so we differ on that. I go Texas for it. Yeah. I think they lose. And I think, and honestly, maybe I'm just wishful thinking because that's a better playoff. It sucks to it say, is. but. Right. That would be that would be a good one, and I just don't want Michigan to play Florida State. So <laughs> the other thing, yeah, I think it would be cool if it ended up being uh, Michigan and or, or Michigan or Washington, whoever wins yeah. the Pac-12 yeah. game in the Rose Bowl, and we would get one more uh, one more Big Ten slash Pac-12 Rose yeah. Bowl before yeah. 
before it all collapses. So well, that, that's my wishful thinking. I, I think, uh, yeah, because I think that Florida State actually could be seeded fourth. You know, they're in, but they might not get the three seed based on what yeah, the committee does. Yeah, that's how I think it would end up panning out, especially if Oregon looks like really good and uh, beating Washington. Well, get ready for some politicking on Saturday night, Sunday morning, especially if Alabama's in the mix. You could have Georgia. Oh, Oregon, Texas could be going head-to-head. I mean, that's the thing. Like, And I actually think Washington has a chance if it, that game's close, Florida State loses, and then you know chalk reigns supreme. Maybe, you know, obviously Oklahoma State would have to win too. But, um, yeah, so there's a lot yeah, to be decided. It's been weird how like, clean it's been this year. Just like we haven't really had any of that chaos, and I guess we have one more opportunity yeah. for it on, on championship weekend. So we we'll do. see. Hey, this is just my final pitch for I think a 16 playoff would have been just fine. Because then you I still have perfect. two, you still have, yeah, you're still drama at the end. And there's teams at the top, like Georgia and Michigan are playing for buys. So they still have motivation to play and not, you know, get a game off, which would be huge. Uh, but then again, who knows? Uh, Matt Wittenberg, always a pleasure. I'm sad to see college football season end, but excited to always break it down with you here on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Huge thanks to Matt Wittenberg. So excited for this weekend. It starts on Friday, and then we go all the way into Sunday morning when the playoff selections are made. So we'll see if it's easy peasy or if there's some controversy. But thanks to Witt for coming on the show. Now we talk to Chris Miller about the NFL. We go to the pro game. He's got a lot to say. We break down his Raiders and my Browns, obviously. But we look at the seeding. Eagles-Niners coming up this weekend. So that's a huge game with a lot of playoff implications there. The Chiefs, Ravens, and even Jaguars and Dolphins competing for that number one seed in the AFC. There's still a lot to be decided. We break all that down with Chris Miller now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, he's back again to talk NFL football. End of November, we are gearing up for the stretch run. It's Chris Miller, my former NFL Network co-worker, breaking down some stuff. It's funny how the last couple times, Chris, we've talked, our teams have been in symmetry, and this time we're uh, riding the losing train. So uh, welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) I know, yeah. I wish we uh, could go back to the winning ways of the last time we talked, but, you know, it is what it is, and uh, I definitely expected more from your team this season than I did from mine, so at least my team's not disappointing me as much. Yeah, and, and I guess I could start with mine because it's really only, you know, this week. They have that emotional win over the Steelers and obviously the Deshaun Watson situation with him finally playing well and then getting injured looms mm-hmm. big over the team. They lose to the Broncos in a game where DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson gets, you know, he gets hurt and then we're back to P.J. Walker who's not playing well. Miles Garrett gets banged up. The Broncos have won five in a straight, which five in a row, which I know pains you, but... You know the bigger thing in this yeah, game. The yeah. bigger the bigger thing in this game too is there was no Denzel Ward, and that really showed you how good he is. Newsom did not play very well. He didn't have his, his support on the other side, and you know the Browns offensively with uh, what they have to do to get by. It was a little it was a little dis it was a little frustrating, I should say, because the offense was starting to show some signs of life. Then we have the big DTR injury, but. You know, it's tough, and I and I say that as someone that doesn't expect to win the Super Bowl, obviously, given what's happening on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense had uh, not their best game, and sometimes that's all. That's the difference in the NFL. So I guess props to the Broncos, man, five in a row from one and five to six and five. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 
that was a tough game, I think, for the Browns period, the way the Broncos have been playing. I mean, they've been red hot. I hate to say it, you know, being a Raiders fan, but they've been finally clicking. You know, I, I'm not going to say Russell Wilson had the greatest of game, but he definitely did enough. The ground game clearly stepped up for them for a lot of that. And, um, yeah, when you got a hot team and, you know, what, second, third, fourth string, whatever string quarterback you're running at some point during the game. And the, you know, the defense definitely has to help carry that. And it definitely wasn't their best game. But I think they'll bounce back. They'll definitely bounce back. I mean, the Browns the Browns are good. I mean, well, it's hard with that quarterback situation. But, <laughs> yeah. but, you know. Defensively, they're just such a special unit. And I think what they can do to get to the playoffs, and it's funny, it starts this week. You know, they, are, they still have eight wins. Can they get to... Can they get to 10 or 11? I mean, 11 will probably get them there, so can they win three more down the stretch? It's possible, you know, but we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a tough battle for them, and it starts with the Rams. For the Broncos, yeah, I'm, more, I'm shocked, Chris, that they went from giving up 70 points, you know, near a record, essentially, and uh, then they bounced back and played pretty good defense. So that was the story there. I mean, your game wasn't so much a surprise. I guess it was a surprise that the Raiders jumped out to the early lead, but the Chiefs were still, you know, I think they were still betting favorites when they were down, and it was just, you know, a matter of time. I think the one thing to take away from from your perspective is O'Connell might actually have something. So there, there's enough there to, I'm not going to say like, and I think you wouldn't say that either, like Locke, he's the guy, but there's enough to consider seeing what he has for, you know, this year and even into next year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and pretty sure we talked about this earlier. I mean, I told you I liked O'Connell earlier this season I, I got to see him play a preseason game uh in LA against the Rams and he was throwing some dimes I mean I know it's hard to put a lot into a preseason game especially when he's playing you know not, not even the starters of the preseason game with the backups but he was still you know those balls are still looking good regardless of who the defense is and he's definitely has a lot to offer so it's just a matter of can they build you know around them a little better right. i mean it's the defense has got to get better it's plain and simple and it, i feel like a broken record i say this every freaking year with the raiders you know the defense has to get better you know <laughs> yeah. i mean uh, it broke my heart that they shipped Derek carr off and they put all the blame on him for how the team played and he had statistically during his career the the worst rated defense the entire time that he was uh the quarterback of the Raiders and they've got some good they've got some good parts I mean you know I love me some Max Crosby the guy's a beast he, he never stops hustling but they've got to get some mm -hmm. some some better pieces on that defense you know I know yeah. they try with Marcus you know an aging Marcus Peters and that clearly was not the answer but Without without a defense that can actually mm -hmm. stop a team every once in a while, it doesn't matter how good Aiden O'Connell is. You know he'll play great, and you know eventually they'll just blame him for all the losses again. Yeah, this is the time when uh, you know Pierce, you know Antonio Pierce is going to have to prove you know his long term future too. I think it's it's good. You've seen some signs that they haven't quit and they've been rejuvenated since. By the way, we've already got a couple in our coaching uh, every year. I think this is going to be an mm -hmm. interesting one. We're two down, and I right, it's, we're down two with Reich and McDaniel now, which yep. um, you know we'll get to in a second. But Raiders have some things they got to work. What the future of this team is, what the roster is going to look like, what Devontae Adams' future is. But it is good to see they're competitive. And for the Chiefs, man, it's uh, 
it was good to see from their perspective. They bounced back after the tough loss to the Philly. The AFC is just so stacked with playoff teams and who can get the one, you know, one to four. It's like half game separating all of them. The Chiefs have yeah. the the Chiefs had the emergence of Rice maybe as a receiver with Pacheco and obviously Kelsey. It's just so crazy to me, Chris, that Mahomes has never even played a road playoff game. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. I mean, the 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 between his play and Andy Reid as a coach, I mean, it's hard to bet against that team. I mean, they're they're freaking good. I don't know what else to say. Like, yeah. That's it. Like you know, um, even when they're not, they are. You know, I mean, uh, obviously they had a, a tough game against Denver, uh, you know, and that happens. You know, sometimes you just have like those those dips. But the difference between them and a team like my Raiders is that dip is one and done. Right. Whereas yeah. teams like like my team or, you know, like New England this year, you know, it's like a, it's a whole valley, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was crazy. I, I did want to ask you, though, where do you see the AFC as it stands now? Because I mentioned those four teams, and, and it's crazy to list all of them right now because it's not the Bills. You know, my Browns aren't in there because of the offensive situation. Yeah, and uh, right now it's really Baltimore, KC, Miami, and then Jacksonville, which won that big game over Houston. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I look at it like KC is the, the defending champs. They're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, I think at this point you might look at Baltimore maybe as that next team just because it seems like they've had, you know, have Lamar who's won the MVP and they've got some new pieces and the defense looks better. But the two Florida teams, it's uncharted territory, Chris. Like we really don't know what to expect. Jacksonville won the playoff game last year, but they just now are hitting their stride. And Miami, it's like, okay, well, beat a good team. That's really what we need to see from them. Yeah, you know, I mean, if I'm picking between Jacksonville and Miami, I mean, right now, I'll be honest, I'm kind of going Jacksonville mm-hmm. a little bit because I think we're seeing a lot of like what we saw last year with this team where Trevor Lawrence kind of started out slow and slow and now he's starting to really turn it on, you know, and I think having, you know, Zay Flowers out there and Ridley playing together it's really woken this offense back up and uh, you know, they're, they're going to be a tough out yeah. for sure. Um, that offense is, is fine. I mean, I think the health, you know, of Etienne's going to be, you know, a big factor for them, but you know, Miami's having an incredible year. I think you got to put Tyreek in that MVP conversation at some point, but I, I, I kind of like Jacksonville a little bit more. I don't know. I, I feel like they're getting hot right now just like they did last year, and I think it's definitely going to give them a good push going into the postseason. I agree with you. I think they can match up with certain teams, including Miami, pretty well. Um, Trevor Lawrence stepped up. That game against Houston was awesome. It was a big big win for Jacksonville because they lost the game at home to them earlier this year. Houston's right there, though, and I know C.J. Stroud's going to be the unanimous rookie of the year on offense, but you know this was – like I don't think they're at – this is an unbelievable story what D'Amico Ryans has done with that Houston team, Chris. But they're yeah. not there yet. So they will be there. Like I think this is gonna be a matchup we see for the next five, you know, maybe more years. But Houston's not quite there. I think Miami, in a weird way, this is a working theory I have. It's kinda unfortunate they don't have a team pushing them now in that division. We talked about how good that division was gonna be, and I know injuries happen and we see it across the league with guys like Burrow and obviously Rogers going down, but Miami yeah. seems like they're going to be the only playoff team in that division. In a weird way, I think it kind of hurts them that they're not being pushed 
unless Buffalo gets it together, which they're running out of time. Yeah, well, and I think one thing that we're, we're overlooking here, too, can we just talk real quick briefly about the red-hot Indianapolis Colts under yeah, the fine in, leadership of Gardner Minshew? They'd be in the playoffs right now, Chris, and, uh, you know, I think yeah. they've got an inside track to get there. They Another team that built the roster out, Houston and Indy taking those steps up. It's funny that Tennessee, you know, took the step down, but... Yeah, Indy with Richardson out for the year and Minshew playing like a serviceable, I'll say, and I'm not saying that to be, you know, degrading. Like a lot of teams, my team, would love to get serviceable play, but he is, uh, yeah. he's doing the job and, and they're in the mix firmly. And that might be, you know, there's a lot of surprising stuff's good and bad, but you're right. That might be one of the most surprising things in football. Oh, yeah. I, well, I'd like to say I'm surprised, but come on, we see this all the time with Minshew. Like he just comes in and he just wins games. It's it's he's a winner. It's it's what he is. He he he's a, a mustache icon and a winner. Let's just let's just call it what it is. You know, do I think that the Colts are ultimately going to end up being that seven seed? No, probably not. I think the Texans ultimately win that out. Maybe the Broncos. Maybe. But it's definitely going to be like two teams from the AFC South, which is weird to say. But I think the Texans ultimately end up with that one. Well, it's uh, it's going to be fun though, and uh, I wanted to get to you know the first you know the the midseason coach firing that we just saw, the second one. The Panthers lose mm-hmm. to the Titans in an interesting game that was not you know played by two juggernauts. But it's one in <laughs> ten now for the Panthers. Frank Reich is fired. He's one and done. I think we've had three straight years, Chris, of a coach fired in the middle of their first year. So that's got to be worth something. And uh, That's crazy. I'll say it for a few perspectives. One, Tepper's a little bit, their owner, David Tepper, is a little bit of a loose cannon. Some would say lunatic. I would say it's like that... It's that new ownership phase, and and I he's he's got a lot of Jimmy Haslam vibes to him. When they first come in, they don't really know, and it's just like, fire everything. It's not happening soon. I say that as a cautionary, but also, you know, maybe not as negative, uh, you know, course of reverence there, because I think he can overcome that. I think a couple years, you realize it's not Rome wasn't built in the day. You can, you know, improve and maybe get out of there. Uh, but the biggest thing for this, and I know the roster is a mess and they have a lot of issues, but they're never going to overcome, you know, this year he was never going to overcome the Bryce Young over CJ Stroud pick. That's what this all yeah. comes down to, and it sucks for the team that has to pick first in these situations, Chris, because if the opposite happened and Shroud wasn't as good as Bryce Young, we wouldn't be thinking this because they didn't pick first, you know? Yeah, you know, well, don't forget, I mean, Bryce was hurt for a good chunk of the year, too, so he's still coming back, and honestly, I I feel like Frank Reich, I mean, I, I think he's a decent coach. I feel like he was more the scapegoat for a bad front office. I mean, it's not his fault that Carolina traded away one of the most electric offensive players, you know, that in, in modern era that we've seen play, you know, for next to nothing. So I think just, just the team's just not built very well. So you can't really put that on him. You know, could you say that he's not done enough to develop Bryce young being that he is a former quarterback? Yes, but again, I think, you know, the injury, you know, obviously slowed some of that progress. So, you know, will Bryce Young end up being the pick that, that Carolina thought he was? Maybe. I mean, it's hard to say, you know. Yeah, it's it, a little too soon. It's a but, mess. I mean, their whole roster is a mess right their now. Their whole team's a mess. Yeah. yeah. It's, and it's it's awful. I just also yeah. I also want to point out. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously, the 
drafting a quarterback is no perfect science, but what we do know is that a guy like Bryce Young is rare, so small, and so different, and not to say that that can't work, but Chris, don't you yeah. feel like you have to have the perfect infrastructure for a guy like that to at least start his career? You know, and I'm not even saying, like, it has to be a certain way because he could get better, but even a guy like Jalen Hurts, who we'll get to in a second, who's one of the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the league now, he benefited so much, one, not being picked first overall and getting to be a backup for a little, but going to a system yeah. like Philly where he could kind of watch and have the infrastructure, have a line, have a defense, have all these you know pieces around him. It's just so tough for any quarterback, let alone one that's a little undersized and different like Bryce Young, to go to Carolina. I mean, he was doomed from the start in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is why... I, I've always hated taking quarterbacks early in the draft. I know teams are going to do it over and over and over again. That's great. But you could take the best quarterback. You could take a great quarterback. You know, Obviously, we know Bryce Young's a good quarterback. And put him behind a line that can't block. Give him, give him you know, terrible receivers. And he's going to struggle. That's just how it is. The NFL is, is too fast, too, you know, it's, it's bigger, stronger, faster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these guys need time to, to kind of learn. I mean, granted, you do have your freaks of nature um, that pick up stuff a lot quicker, like like uh, Justin Herbert in, in for the Chargers. But even he has struggles at times. And, you know, I, I always look back into, like, David Carr, right? He was a great quarterback coming out of college. And you put him behind just just an offense, a terrible offensive line mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, their best offensive lineman was Tony Baselli who couldn't move, <laughs> you know, and he just got yeah. creamed back there. So, of course, they're going to struggle. It's and a tough build one. Build your offensive line first. Mm-hmm. Build the line, get a good line, then put the quarterback behind it, you know. Until you have that offensive line, what's the point? Like, you could spend all the money you want on a quarterback, if, if no one can block for him, you're, you're screwed. More here with Chris Miller on the Money Mitch effect. It's a tough time, and that's not going to be you know the last coaching firing, to say the least. There's a lot of people on the hot seat, but uh, we know that Frank Reich's out. I had told you before we started, Chris, I had, a, I had an interesting story, and it involves that Eagles-Bills game. So the Eagles win again. They're you know up to 10-1, and mm-hmm. one, the best team in football right now, riding pretty high. Uh, that survivor pool that I play in every year, um, I'm in the. I was in the final three going into this week, and then someone picked the Lions. I was in the final two, and then I had won my game, and someone had picked the Eagles. So, if the Eagles would have lost that game, I would have won the entire thing. But uh, we play on because Elliott decided to kick a 58-yard field goal, and Gabe Davis can't, you know, connect with this quarterback. So I'm still a little salty yeah. about that. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it was what a great game. Though. It was Come impressive, I mean, and and that just shows you. I mean, Buffalo did everything that they could offensively, you know, to win this game. Allen had probably his best game of the year. They got success mm-hmm. on Eagles defense like we hadn't seen, but man, Philly just finds a way. That's you know didn't play a great first half. Hurts had three quarters of bad football, but they just get it done when they need to. It's the timely turnover. It's the big field goal. It's the third down conversion. It's Jalen Hurts when he needs to, and this team. You know, it, it has all the ingredients yep. of being special because you win a game like this when you're not at your best. It says a lot about your team's character. Oh, yeah. And I remember at, at one point I was watching the, the Raiders-Chiefs game and they had one of those like, oh, we've got an update for you, right? Here's the, the Bills, you know, are up 24-7 on the, the – they're rolling the Eagles. I was like, oh, dang, okay. They're like, Josh Allen is playing great. And then 
third quarter, you know, you know, Philly ends it strong. And in the fourth quarter, my goodness, you know, and I think they had an interesting stat, like Josh Allen going into that game, into that overtime with like 0-5 in overtime. So yeah. he's now like 0-6 mm-hmm. in overtime. Mm-hmm. It's know, crazy. I mean, this guy, this guy cannot win a close game. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, he just, he... It's not necessarily him. No, I mean, because like one of those games, one of those games was the Chiefs AFC title game and they didn't even get the ball. So I know that there's stats there, but some are misleading. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, the Bills have had just a nightmare season on a lot of fronts. They're still, you know, I don't think people are talking enough about how banged up, especially that defense is. They've lost several players. I know a lot of teams can say that, but especially anyone that's played at MetLife, by the way, they can say that because that stadium just keeps tearing Achilles and ACLs left and right. It's an old side <laughs> yeah, note there. That's, that's a, yeah, what is going on there? I but, mean, yeah, I just, uh, the Bills aren't looking likely for the playoffs now because the schedule doesn't get any easier. I mean, they got, you know, I think they have Cowboys and Chiefs coming up. I mean, look, they're they're in a world of hurt right now and um, with all the teams in the AFC. It's not like they're in the NFC, Chris, where we'd have to scrape the barrel, you know, to figure out. You know, we have Eagles, Niners at the top. The Lions have looked shaky. They lost last week. You know, Cowboys are there as that top wildcard team. After that, man, who wins the NFC South and who fills out the playoff picture? Your guess is probably as good as mine. Uh, boy. I mean, are you asking me to guess? I mean, I, Falcons. Well, <laughs> I so I, I actually, I mean, the Falcons, just because they won, I mean, it's hindsight's all 2020, like we said, but Falcons in that division, I mean, that's somebody has to win it right, and Tampa's taking a nosedive, and Carolina's terrible, yeah. so that you look at. You look at Saints and Falcons, so Falcons isn't a bad one. But I would say for those other two wild cards, it's funny because we looked at the Vikings as maybe the team, but Josh Jobs mm-hmm. might be coming back to Earth, you know, coming back from outer space <laughs> on this one. Um, I like the NASA reference. Yeah, there. yeah. But maybe it is the Packers, uh, and 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 also I want to point out that being the Packers winning that game, getting there, the Seahawks look like a shell of themselves. I mean, they need Geno healthy. They need Kenneth Walker back. They're not a lock either. I mean, people had written them in for like a six seed, and they're hanging on by a thread right now. It seems. Yeah, you know, honestly, I I like the Rams right now. Mm-hmm. I know that they're what they're five and six, but now that they got That's a healthy Aaron Williams back. Uh, you know that you can see just how much having him in the game just completely like woke up that offense. You know, it's people keep wanting to to downplay the 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 run game in the NFL, right? I mean, running backs keep getting disrespected left and right <laughs> yeah. by, by front offices, but you can see how much a good running back in your offense, even though he didn't score a rushing touchdown, just having him there to put uh-huh. up 143 yards, averaging almost nine yards a carry completely yeah. changes how your offense plays. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't want to put too much stock into beating Arizona. I think next week, you know, playing, playing Cleveland will be a bit, more of a, a, a better, you know, test yeah. to see if this team is actually starting to get their way back. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if Williams can have another good game on the ground like that, I mean, yeah. these, these Rams will be hard to beat. I mean, I, I don't think they're the team to beat in the <laughs> NFC, but they're definitely the team to potentially get a seven seed. Yeah, sure. Seahawks 6-5, six and five, Vikings 6-6. Six and six. Those are your 6-7. and seven. So everybody else, Packers, Rams, you know, those NFC South teams I mentioned, they're still they're still in the mix. So 
we'll we'll see what happens there. And I just want to say Dallas. I mean, they they crushed the Commanders on Chris, on Thanksgiving Day, but you know, I know they haven't beaten the best schedule, but five and zero at home, and Dak does look as good as I've seen him. So we're looking for the NFC. I think Dallas, you know, is in the mix along with the Niners, of course, who you know got their swagger back after the three game skid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me right now, I. It's it's a toss up in the NFC. I think between the Niners and the Eagles, mm-hmm. uh, both teams are just. I I just don't see any other team. Maybe the Cowboys. Maybe the Cowboys. Yeah, the Lions. Just it, it wasn't the Lions lost the game that I think is going to be how they lose in the playoffs. I just don't know when it's going to happen. But offensively, yeah. they do some fun things. The defense still isn't where it needs to be to be winning playoff football games. And I actually think yeah. Jared Goff has played like a top ten quarterback, but. They put so much pressure on him, Chris, where it's like if he's not at that level, they're going to lose. And that's that's tough for like Mahomes to be at, let alone Jared Goff. For sure. But, I mean, at least, you know, again, Detroit also has a, a good running game. So there there yeah. is that ability to take some pressure off of Jared Goff, you know, as long as David Montgomery can stay healthy. Yeah, but you know, are you going to pick think... them to go into San Fran or Philly and win a playoff game there? Because that's probably what it's going to shape up to do. No, not not <laughs> yeah. not yet. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. I I think this is sort of a similar conversation like what we were having with Houston. I think that right, they right. they're a good team that just needs a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know. And I want to see a good Detroit team. I want to see a playoff team because I think it's just one of those cities, you know, when it comes to football that's just suffered so much, and to like actually <laughs> see them right now, you know, at least yeah. sitting at eight and three, like it's kind of fun. Like you know, like I want to see. A Detroit playoff team, like I think, I think the world's just begging for it. Man. Like we want to see this, you know. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know, but it'd be fun. I think, you know, to have a, a strong Detroit team. But they're they're just they're not on the on the level with the Niners right yeah. now. They're definitely not on the level with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. But you never know, right? You never know, right? They get in, you never know. Right? Anything can happen. But I think this is going to come down to the the Eagles and the the Niners. To be honest. Well, that takes us into this week's games. Uh, that's the headliner by far, one of the best regular season games on paper, right up there with Chiefs-Eagles a little bit ago. Niners at Philly. It's that 125 yeah. national kickoff time. And and the, the, the backstory of this game is that the Niners still feel, and there's some, some justifiable you know anguish with it, but last year's, it wasn't like that game was played under protest because injuries happen, results are final, but... They didn't have their quarterback in that game, and then they lost their backup, and they were totally out of whack. Yeah. So this is their first chance to prove that they can beat the Eagles in Philly. Might not be the only chance they get this year. So a lot riding on that game for the Niners, who I actually mm-hmm. think, who I actually think could pull the upset this week, just because as much as I like the Eagles, Chris, they have kind of been. I don't want to say hanging on by a thread, but. They've been kind of just playing with their food a little bit, and I think that a loss in the NFL isn't the worst thing to happen. We saw, and I compare yeah. it to the Patriots. We've seen them have their get right games at times, you know, and then they, you know, the loss snaps them out of it, and then they go win Super Bowl. So I think the Niners come in here, and I think they do get the win because I think it means a little more to them in the regular season. Yeah, you know, uh, I kind of agree with you on that. I think the Niners right now have sort of righted the ship. I do see them. I, I, I kind of I have a hard time calling this an upset win, though. I mean, I know the Niners are eight and three, and the Eagles are ten and one. So yes, technically it's an upset, but the Niners are are you know one of the 
best teams in the NFL right now. And especially at the beginning of the season, I mean, they were, they were red hot. So this is a good team. And I I kind of agree with you. I think from the Eagles perspective, it might be good for them to just sort of, you know, obviously they don't want to lose, but yeah, you know, kind of have that like wake you up moment Mm -hmm. for sure. Sometimes you just kind of need that shock to the system, but this is going to be a fun one. This is definitely, uh, you know, especially with the Raiders on a bye week this week, I got nothing else to watch. So, uh, Definitely yeah. going to watch watch this one. Yeah. The Thursday night game, Dallas and Seattle is a good one in terms of Dallas trying to keep their stranglehold as one of the top teams in the conference. Seattle just trying to stop the bleeding. It's a tough one for them. Other games that stand out uh, to me this week. By the way, the Steelers get the Cardinals, and you know the Steelers will probably win. It's just remarkable they keep getting outgained, but winning these games, uh, yeah. it's not the best slate. I think Chiefs-Packers Sunday night. Is a fascinating one. If the if the Packers are for real, Jordan Love's looked better. Can he win mm-hmm. at Lambeau over the Chiefs? Uh, and I'll be at that Browns Rams game on Sunday, Chris. So we'll see. This is uh, important for both teams in their playoff aspirations. Who plays quarterback for the Browns? What's Miles Garrett's status? Hopefully, Denzel Ward's out there for the Rams. Yeah. It's it's more of the same with Kieran Williams back, and you know the defense kind of picking up the pieces. So of those games, maybe anything other. What are you looking forward to this Sunday? Looking forward to well, like I said, like I said before, definitely Niners Eagles. You know, I think the Broncos Texans is going to be a good, intriguing game. I mean, you've got a red hot Broncos team, you've got uh, a a good, promising Texans team. Uh, obviously, they you know struggled a bit against Jacksonville, but it's a good opportunity for them at home to to bounce back. And I think that's going to be a fun one, especially these are two teams that are both kind of on that bubble for a playoff spot. So. Should be a really fun, interesting game. Outside of that, you know, I mean, I'm excited for my my boy Garner Minshew down to go to Tennessee, but it's not going to be a good game for the most part. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of a rough schedule this week. There's not a lot to really get that excited about other than, you know, I think, yeah, Niners, Eagles, uh, Chiefs, Packers, uh, you know, I think, yeah, I think the Rams, Browns game's intriguing, and yeah, Broncos, Texans. Outside of that, not a lot that I'm really looking at. I'm like, boy, I can't wait to watch this one. Like Chargers Patriots. Mm, that's I know. <laughs> and for the survivor and for the survivor fans out there, we're going to be, if you know, we'll see what happens, but if, if the pool still goes on, we're going to be on the Jaguars this week against the Bengals. That should have been a fun game on Monday, but the Burrow in- injury pretty much stuck a fork in the Bengals season. Will the Jags try to keep it going? So, um, weird yeah. that there's buys this late in the season, but that's you know the added game to the schedule. Um, Chris, before yeah. before I let you go, last thing. This has been fun. Obviously, we're not going to do any of the side bets or anything. I just want to ask you how many more coaches <laughs> you think get fired going into next season? Because I, I I'm just looking, and we don't have to list out the teams, but I was doing my eyeball math here, and I think there's going to be at least four more coaches that aren't on the team next four. year. Four. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's see here. Thing of one. <laughs> just just do my do my rough math. Here. Rough math, yeah, love it. Well, here's okay. Can I ask you this? This is a question I wanted. This is a, yeah. a conversation I wanted to have with you today. Uh, do you think that Belichick could be one of those coaches? See, that's the thing. There's always a wild card. My math said three for sure, not for sure, but three likely. And then I'm adding, I'm baking in one wild card. All right. If let me ask you this: If 
it was anybody else coaching the Patriots this season, not named Bill Belichick, do they get fired at the end of the season? And I would say yes, the way this team is playing. So I think there's a chance that he that he could end up getting fired, which is crazy to think, you know. Um because then you also got to talk about legacy at that point, right? Like, what does that say for for the legacy of Bill Belichick? Belichick is kind of that wild card, though, right? Like, yeah, I, I, <laughs> God, I and I, I don't necessarily have like like a hatred of Bill Belichick. I just think him getting fired would be such a crazy story. Like, if that but, happens, he's not done coaching. I, I will put every amount of prediction boldness in that. Like he'll if go he somewhere gets, else because he wants Don Shula's record, and then revenge motivates even the greatest people in their in their industry. <laughs> exactly. Oh well, and I think Belichick for sure would be motivated by revenge. And if he gets fired, which I don't think will actually happen, don't be surprised if like Mark Davis is on the phone with him like the next day. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that. Like for some reason, like. You know, he just loves the the Patriot way. Yeah, just, uh, just knowing how well that already worked out. For us, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know. So many times. Well, I would just say that like a retiring is is not going to count. But if they agree to mutually part ways, we're counting it in our list. You know. Okay. So I'll say draw the line at retiring, like step. You know, but if it's like a situation where they're coaching like the next year, you know, it counts. But. Hey, still okay. a lot of still a lot of meaningful football in 2023 into the playoffs coming up here, and I can't wait for it. Uh, Chris Miller, always a blast, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh yeah, my pleasure, man. Always a good time. Love talking football with you. All right, thanks to both guests, Matt Wittenberg and Chris Miller, for appearing on this week's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. And if you like this podcast, you can find it on all your podcast platforms, SoundCloud, Apple, Google, the name of a few. There's a lot of places you can listen to it. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page as well for some exclusive content and some special features there. And you can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. It's that simple. Listen to the show. Leave a rating, review, subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. And we're back next week. More football to discuss. The playoff will be set. We break down all the conference championship weekend in college football. And we talk more NFL as the season winds down. And we're into the month of December. You're not going to want to miss it. For Chris Miller and Matt Wittenberg, my name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening. And keep enjoying sports. Sports.